Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 30 of the Mess Hall Podcast. This week's guest is the multi-talented Richard Lett. Not only is he a stand-up comedian, but an actor, a singer, performer, and just an all-around good guy. Um, had a great talk with him. It was a ton of fun. You know, one of the great things about this podcast is when I'm talking to people, and you see their eyes just light up when they're talking about something that comes to their mind, and, you know... Richard was no different when he talked about mac and cheese that his mother used to make, and he could just tell by the expression on his face and how good it was. So I'm going to let you listen to the rest of the episode and enjoy. The Mess All Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. And if you like this episode, make sure you give it five stars on iTunes and... Follow me on Twitter at the Mess Hall Pod, and it's on Facebook as well. At find it, give it a like at the Mess Hall Podcast. It's missing a T, and I'm just letting that go because I think you know spelling mistakes are sometimes part of life. So find it, like it, follow me on Twitter, and if you want to talk about something, on just send me a email at the Mess Hall Pod at gmail dot com. And this week's podcast shout-out goes to the On Dad podcast. It's a podcast about being a parent in this bizarre world. I've been listening to a couple episodes, and I started after a recap episode, which was interesting, but it gave me a good idea where to go after that and listening to their favorite episodes, where they're talking about. And, you know, just a good podcast all around, so make sure you give it a listen. It's by... uh, Trent Wilkie, he's a husband, father, writer, journalist, and performer in Edmonton. You know, it is a good podcast, so make sure you give it a listen. And that, again, is the On Dad Podcast. So, Richard. Hello. Richard Lett. Welcome to the Mess Hall Podcast. I'm happy to be here, Abe. That's good. Um, so, before we were on the podcast, we were talking earlier. You said mm-hmm. you went out to the blind bagger for lunch. Yeah, I did, yeah. So, what did you get for lunch today? Oh, I went for the special uh, mac and cheese. Nice, nice. I'm yeah? A, I'm a huge mac and cheese fan myself. Are you? So. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's delicious stuff. I mean, it's that kind of... Uh, I, my mother made uh, makes because um, she's 89, but I still uh, impose upon her to make me food. <laughs> um, this amazing mac and cheese, where she puts like a pound of cheddar cheese into this thing, and oh, it's hey. like a, <clears throat> there's you know a half an acre of this thing in those big white corningware sort of yeah. casserole dishes that are like whatever it's four inches deep and like a foot by two feet sort of size just make it and the the uh the crusty part was always the best part yeah they didn't quite pull that off down at the blind beggar but but you know they had, you know, i don't know probably four different kinds of cheese in it and yeah. stuff it was pretty good so you you talk about the crust on it like just 
when your mom would make it, would it be just like old fashioned breadcrumbs on top and then baked on top? Or no, no, she, I don't, she didn't do any of that. Or was, just baked cheese right on the top. Well, it, it was the, the the curled macaroni. Yeah. So it wasn't you know like the rotini or anything like that. It was just the normal macaroni. Yeah. <laughs> but it would get um, sort of. Uh, uh, braised I guess or okay. whatever from the broilers so nice. either it would be the cheese but mostly it would just be this macaroni that had been sort of blackened or, or, yeah. or darkened so that and that would just hold together like this the, the dish that I just had was kind of you know liquidy yeah. this was not my mother's was not liquidy it was like you know like a, a block of Sort of silicon. Yeah, so it, you can cut it out of this. Oh yeah, this and you could, and when it was cold later on, because there was always half an acre of it left over, yeah. you could like pick it up and eat it like a, um, like a you know like a ball. Actually, I did a a show in um, St. Louis, and um, it was this huge decadent convention, and one of the things they had was macaroni and cheese balls. Yes, and these were like the size of a grapefruit. And you just eat them like, like with your hands, just like, like an apple. Almost. Like exactly like an apple, and it was just like I died and gone to heaven, <laughs> and you know just because nobody can make you know like sort of comfort food to a level of decadence like the Americans. Yes, you know like they take out you know ribs or whatever, and they you know they have to have like a you know an event about it. They're all, they're yeah. go big or go home. So. So these, I just, you know, and you just don't want to stop eating them just because of the pleasure of eating them. I might just have to cut the podcast here and go to St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, St. Louis, man, that was, uh, it was a big convention, and, and I was I was cast sort of out of the blue to play this character, and I went out there with a, uh, an advertising company, and, uh, and, and on the night there, there was, Doobie Brothers were playing, and it was... And then they had all this, you know, free food and uh, and free booze, but I'm sober, so I couldn't uh, uh, take advantage of that, or I'd still be in St. Louis in uh, a prison somewhere there. So um, I just, uh, you know, hate this stuff, but yeah, I, I didn't think about it until we just talked about it. But, uh, but yeah, so my mother's, you know, you could go and eat it cold, or you could peel the... the the cheese that was and the macaroni that was stuck to the pan afterwards, like yes. you could rip it off like it, like it was almost like, you know, like skin, like you know the and the scrapings. You could just eat that stuff for days. Yeah, yeah and it's so good too. Like it has this nice little crunch to it, almost. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and it was all. I think all she used was macaroni and cheese and and milk. The milk filled in the little. You know, curls of the macaroni, and then um, and then just baked it within an inch of its life. Um, there was a lot of of you know not well done food when I was growing up. That was sort of the back in the day they didn't think about you know undercooking things, right? Yeah. You know, that. it's interesting too because <clears throat> a lot of these like poverty foods, because a lot of these foods that. You know, I see it as comfort food now. Yes, are were born out of of limited amounts of of money. If you look at pierogies, um, yeah. you know, in Alberta, you know, 
you go up there, this is, you know, a delicacy now, but really, pierogies were, you know, peasant food. Yeah, right? I, I love pierogies. Oh, yeah. And uh, so all these kinds of foods that, that make us feel, like, safe and warm and loved, for lack of a better, uh, more um, pathetic description, is... Um, it seemed to have a history of of coming from sort of the old country and our, you know, our immigrant sect, you know. Yeah. My, my father was Irish, and he would say that, you know, that, you know, potatoes would be a delicacy if they weren't so cheap. <laughs> That's but, interesting, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I grew up on the East Coast, so... Oh, okay. Lobster, like you say, way back in the day, used to be a poor man's food. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now... Get a lobster in Calgary for under nineteen dollars a pound is yeah yeah a miracle <laughs> yeah no I absolutely you know the history of food for sure I, I heard something interesting on um, TED Talks they were talking about how um, the human brain requires uses up more calories than any other part of our bodies so um, you know when I was losing weight a, a while ago I would sit in the sauna and I would do Sudokus and I would just like sweat like crazy because my brain was working, right? But anyway, um, but they traced back to, you know, in order to maintain the human brain, um, you know, would require uh, an enormous amount of caloric intake. And um, they can trace back the evolution of the human brain and it growing to the size that it is now to the same period of time when we started cooking our food. Before that, without cooked food, we'd have to be eating all day, all the time, taking in just to maintain this, you know, coconut on our, you know, in between our ears. But once we started cooking food, then we could consume it uh, a lot, get more calories into yeah. us. So, so um, the end of the dark, you know, like sort of this huge sort of intellectual or you know, uh, leap for mankind can be pinpointed to when we started uh, using fire to cook our food. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I love learning food facts. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's not probably yeah. the best food fact that I've oh yeah ever heard. Like that's because our brain requires so much. Yeah. You know, um, calories just to to function. It makes sense. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, when you you know starving people. I mean, that's when you look at, um, you know, the poverty being such a huge factor in, uh, uh, you know, the troubles in our world. When you try and pinpoint issues of, of addiction or crime or, or um, depression or any kind of uh, thing like that, um, it hits the uh, poorer, uh, you know, strata of our world uh, much more frequently and harshly than people that are, are well off. And, you know, you can go, oh, maybe that's because these people are not, you know, uh, eating well. That's an interesting take on it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's, well, I've always thought that yeah. class was a, a bigger factor in societal problems with domestic abuse and suicide and addiction than gender or race or all these sort of arbitrary things that we don't have any control over. Right? No, I agree with that. You know? that if we actually address the issues of class within our society instead of just trying to blame, you know,
people that are don't have any, you know, like I'm a white male, sorry, I just turned out that way. And um, there's nothing to be done about that. But I'm also educated and I'm also, you know, living in a, in a, in a world that uh, allows me to uh, be, have my health and my, you know, diet sort of taken care of. And that probably has a bigger factor to do with my success than the birth defect of being male. Although it does, you know, get a little complicated because I'm white male, then I get to have education and blah, 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 blah. I think it's all that kind of stuff. But I think if we looked at, at class and tried to deal with dealing with people that are poor and helping them, then a lot of those problems that are divided on, on other sort of uh, levels like gender or race or, you know, sexuality or all those things that we seem to be are, you know, getting uh, crazy about, just try to deal with people that were, you know, suffering from poverty. Might change things a lot. Anyway. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a bad way to look and at it. That's the macaroni and cheese of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so def- that's definitely a different way of looking at it. I, mm. I think you're right. Um, well, we look at yeah. I, I'm doing a one man show now called um, which de- deals with uh, cancer and men's health. Yeah, I had uh, testicular cancer and I was cured of that. Sorry, and uh, it's not a dirty word. But anyway, so I've got a show called One Nut Only. <laughs> it's very clever. Yes. Yes, thank you. And, um, but it deals with uh, men's health. I mean, the reality is, is, that, um, is that we don't, as men, we are, you know, the biggest cause of death in men is not going to the doctor. You know, from the ages of 25 to like 50, guys never go to the doctor, ever. Yeah. Right? And, um, so a lot of those things that would be preventable if they, you know, were looked at, um, you know, in whatever, the early 40s, uh, become a much more dire situation when they're 60 or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, I know I'm bad for that, too. I, well, we all are. I, I go to the doctor regularly now but because I'm forced to, but, you know, at home and you're not feeling well, it's like, uh, do I really need to go to the doctor? Absolutely. Push it back five more minutes, and if, well, maybe this pain will go away. And I know. You, you have to ask those questions, you know, like, why do we do that? Because, it, you know, Avery, it's more than um, just um, that we're stupid. Uh, you know, man, you know, just you, you big dummy. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, cultural things involved with that. We don't, you know, we don't want to be in trouble. We don't, you know, like we feel like if we get sick, that we'll be blamed, that we'll be in trouble, that people will be mad at us. And, you know, there's, you know, all sorts of situations where men are discouraged from going to the doctor. Even doctors, male doctors, are discouraging of it. When I went to, when I first went to get um, checked out, I went to a a clinic, a walk-in clinic, right? Those are perfect because they will tell you you're fine and just let you go, right? You don't have to actually deal with anything. You go there and go, I've got this. They go, yeah, you're fine. Okay, thanks. So that's basically what happened to me is that I, I went in there, I had ringing my ears, like tinnitus. I didn't know that then. I just said ringing my ears. So the doctor said to me, well, have you been taking a lot of aspirin? I went, eh, I guess so. He goes, well, that's probably it. And then as I'm leaving, I go, you know, I'm, my testicles don't seem to be the same. One of them is more tense than the other one. He goes, oh, is it painful? 
I said, no. He said, well, I wouldn't worry about it. I know you wouldn't worry about it. It's not your testicle. <laughs> it's like, should I worry about it is the question. Yeah. And so there was this guy. I was handing him, a, a, you know, like if a guy's going to go into a doctor's office and talk about his naughty bits at all, check that shit out. Yeah. Right? But he didn't. But fortunately for me, I quit taking the aspirin and the ringing kept going. So I went to a, a real doctor, you know, one where you have to sit and make an appointment and wait a couple of days and sit in a waiting room reading about JFK's assassination or yeah. <laughs> something, you know, in a magazine from 30 years ago. And then he checked out my, uh, ringing my ears, didn't blame me for taking a bunch of aspirin, right? He actually checked out and said, well, I think you've got tinnitus. And he explained that to me. I went, well, that was a good thing. So I went back a couple of days later and said, check out this testicle. And he did. And boom, diagnosed into treatment. And 10 years later, I'm cured of the thing. But that was due to the fact that I decided to not give up on, you know, that thing. Yeah. Anyway, the point of this um, is that now I do this show where I'm trying to encourage guys to take care of themselves. So, yeah. um, so anyway, that's um, that's the, the the latest deal. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, everyone. Just a quick time out from the podcast to bring you a little ad from ATB. Whether you're a city slicker or a roughneck, We Are Alberta takes you on a journey of what it means to be Albertan through an economist lens. Economist Nick Ford is traveling the province to uncover stories and characters who make Alberta what it is. To hear these stories, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere podcasts are generally cast. So having cancer, how... Did that affect your diet at all or anything like that? Well, the, it must have. But like, the I chemo guess. did for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously when I was going through, I'd, uh, you know, um, chemo for about, I had four rounds of uh, five, every, so it was each round of three weeks. So it was about six months of chemo. And, um, and that's a very strange effect on you. But, um, but then afterwards, um, <laughs> You know, I get, I did sort of start to put on weight. I stopped drinking, and that certainly helps um, with losing weight. But also, I stopped smoking. But generally, I was just sort of becoming less and less, um, you know, active. And oh, okay. and I was living in Toronto, where it's cold during the winter, and there was, you know, you kind of hold up there, and you buy sort of processed food that you can cook in the microwave and all that sort of stuff and um, and I ended up you know getting um, I was 275 which is a lot of human for one heart and so then I uh, just this year I started um, looking at um, this uh, what do they call it uh, um, fasting what do they call it uh, Infrequent fasting or, or intermediate like, in, intermediate intermediate fasting. I've heard of it. So basically, you'd you'd eat you wouldn't eat for eighteen hours. Yes. And after twelve hours, your body goes. Um, we are looking for glycogen, and we've been getting the glycogen from the liver. And uh, at twelve hours, it uses it all up, and then. Um, the, you know, the body goes, well, uh, does anyone have any glycogen? And my belly goes, uh, actually, <laughs> I had a ton of this stuff. And so it just starts to, um, 
And so I did lose about 30 pounds, and then, um, and then it sort of, you know, I've leveled off a bit and moved. There's all sorts of reasons why we get thrown off our thing. But, but basically, um, you know, my daughter, who's into holistic nutrition, and um, I'll use anything to talk about my daughter, um, <laughs> but she, um, I had high blood pressure, hypertension, yeah. right? And she said to me, because she's into holistic nutrition, she said, well, Dad, that's a heart thing. It's about your heart. And it's like, um, and it's not just the organ, your heart, but, you know, the sort of spiritual center of yourself. And it's how you feel about yourself and about the world. I'm going like, oh, right? And she's going like, you know, so if you can, like, think about that you're loved and that to try and lead with love and all that kind of stuff, then, you know, that will help with your hypertension. And then she also pointed out that honey is a better sweetener for me in my coffee than sugar. Yes. So I started switching to using honey in my coffee. And even though it's more labor intensive and can be a little messy, um, it reminds me that I'm lo loving myself. I'm taking care of myself, right? Yeah. And when I'm having a coffee, it just reminds me that I'm worth, you know, looking out for. And then I have a daughter that, you know, would like me to be around for a while. Yeah. And so um, I think there's a lot more to us. Like Brianna talks about, it's like our relationship with food. So that when I do go and have mac and cheese in the middle of the afternoon, I can really enjoy it. Instead yeah. of just being and get that in and then I got to have three of those, right? Um, you can just go and enjoy it. And just like the waitress was trying to upsell me to get some chicken with that or some sausage. And I said, no, no, I'm just good with the, yeah. the $7.99, you know, daily, you know, the special today. Yeah. And just to enjoy, enjoy that. Because yeah. my mother didn't, wasn't throwing chicken and, you know, sausages into the mix. The mac and cheese back in the day was just fine that yeah. way. Sometimes I'll make different mac and cheeses, but sometimes just straight up mac and cheese is magical. Well, Sure, or there's KD and tuna. That's that was another dish that I can, you know, that gives me, you know, it, that'll knock me out cold. I don't need like, you know, a sleeping aid or a <laughs> tranquilizer. Just a, a full pot of, of, you know, craft dinner and tuna uh, mixed together with maybe some of that uh, that shredded cheese you can get now. Yeah. Throw a mitful of that in there. I'm just. Boom, out cold. Don't even bother calling me for the next two hours. So, uh, I know I've got a, some criticism over this lately. Is I put ketchup on everything. Ketchup! Yeah. I love ketchup on my craft dinner. Are sure. you that kind of person? or Not really. Um, I, I, I use ketchup on, you know, like burgers and hot dogs, um, potatoes. Um, I kind of like it when it gets onto my eggs. Uh, from the hash browns, but to p deliberately put it on the eggs um, <laughs> seems a bit decadent, and uh, clearly uh, you need help. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ketchup the last, anonymous. Le the last podcast is the same, right. almost the same thing. This person right. said, if it spills on from the hash browns, it's all right. Yeah, but to put it on is so wrong, and I. Because you can really feel the sugar in it when it's that yes. dense. Yes. You know. And that's anyway. probably where I get most of my sugar from. 
Well, and what's your, how did you get hooked on ketchup? I don't know, it just happened at a young age. I've always had it. And, um, your mom had it on the table in yeah, front of you? My mom had it, but my dad never ate it. Right. And I still had it all the time. And even right now, if we go home, well, I know I won't have ketchup tonight because it's Pizza Friday. And oh, okay. I'm not going to dip my pizza in the ketchup. Right. But... You know, so it's kind if, of ketchupy pizza anyway. Yeah, there's yeah. a tomato paste thing yeah. going on there. But like, if we were having some kind of potato tonight, like fries, right? I'd have ketchup, but my wife hates ketchup. Right. And my son will sometimes take it, sometimes he won't. Right. I, uh, I'm always around non-ketchup people, but for me, I non-ketchup people. No <laughs> idea there was a, 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 a club, a subset of people. Yeah, my dad and my wife. Are just, just, like, not into ketchup at all? No, my wife has no condiments, no mayo, no ketchup, mustard. Wow. Um, I don't know how she goes through life. I'm not going to make any sexual references to this, <laughs> even though I just did. Um, I think my dad had ketchup sandwiches. Have you done that? No, no, I, 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 I like ketchup, white, but I don't like white it. White bread and... Ketchup in between? Yeah. No, but I've heard of people throwing ketchup sandwiches at other people, so... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh. But again, that's kind of a poverty food, right? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've never gone down that road, but... Yeah. I had a, had a roommate one time, and he used to make bread sandwiches. Right. And it was two pieces of white bread with a piece of brown bread in the middle. Oh, wow. <laughs> was there butter in between? No, nothing. Oh, wow. That's funny. It must have been dry. It reminds me of stone soup. I was just thinking about this. Do you know what stone soup? I love the story of stone soup. And how that works, how everyone just... Yeah, uh, everybody pitched in. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Again, that's like one of those uh, communal, you know, like, I mean, the pierogies thing was all these women would sit around and they would, like, have a pierogi-making day or two. And, yeah. they, and they would just make, you know, before the winter, they would just, you know... Because it was all potatoes, right? Mm-hmm. And potato, you know, um, dough. And they would just sit around and make pierogies for, you know, and make thousands of these things and freeze them. And that's what kept those all those old Ukrainians going through the winter. And I, and I know some Ukrainians now, and they still do that. They'll take that whole day of making pierogies. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, the stone soup thing where they had put a stone in a, bo- a kettle of water and everyone brought whatever was left in their fridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I recently heard that story probably about a month ago, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, really? It. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, um, it's sort of like the barn-raising thing or stuff like yeah. that. Uh, you know, like a, we were talking earlier about how how being broke brings out a certain humility in people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the greatest stories seems to be of of people that have, you know, are facing real challenges and how they endure them, right? It's not what a man accomplishes, it's what he overcomes. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't seen crazy rich Asians yet. Um, or rich, rich, rich crazy Asians or something like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I think that film um, uh, shows that, you know, rich people can have problems too. But, um, and it's very popular and all that, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a, 
there's a documentary on me that's premiering at the Whistler Film Festival in a, in November, and uh, and this guy filmed me from you know being a, a drunk and hitting bottom all the way through treatment and all the way through to me touring with my show about recovery called Sober But Never Clean. And um, so I haven't seen a frame of it, but, um, but I will when it premieres. And um, but the idea that, that the story of me sort of surviving and, you know, enduring and coming uh, through it all is the kind of stories that people, you know, are really drawn to. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not like, you know, rich people get even richer or super smart guy invite, is found the support of all his family and friends and invents something that's useful. Like, the, yeah. the, you know, it's always got to be the underdog, always got to be sort of what we can, you know, overcome, right? Yeah, exactly. Life is interesting and what you can overcome or anybody can, I... I think about my challenges in life and overcoming them, so it's interesting. Like what? Um, <laughs> Says the interviewee interviewing the interviewer. <laughs> uh, health issues. Right. Just growing up in a small town, getting away. Um, not that it was a horrible small town, but, you know, just, oh, yeah? just pursuing a career. Just, it's interesting. I, yeah. I, I can relate to that. A lot of people, you know... A lot of us come from small towns, people yeah. that have uh, made their way as, as comedians or artists or all that kind of stuff. I, I've been re recently playing music, and I play the piano, and I write songs and, and stuff. And so I met a girl in my hometown, a beautiful young woman, and, he, and I said, are you Alberta girls? You're the reason why I had to leave. She goes, what do you mean? Is that a bad thing? I went, well, no, it's just that when you meet an Alberta girl like you, you never leave. Like, you get stuck in your town, you know? Yeah. If you're with, you know, if you meet up with a, that girl in, in, you know, the end of high school or whatever, and you meet up with her, then you're in Camarillo's Alberta for the rest of your natural life, right? So I was, you know, lucky that I got out of there. And then I wrote a country song about her called Alberta Girl because I'm oh, created nice. that way. Nice. But, yeah, it's that whole idea of... Um, you know, how do we, you know, pursue our, our destiny um, when, you know, there's the safety that, you know, the, all that macaroni and cheese waiting for us at home, right? Yeah. You have to go out in the world and go, this macaroni and cheese sucks! <laughs> People don't know anything about it, right? Where's your Corningware casserole dish? You have to cook it that way. That's right. That's has to be the, the white with the little blue design on it. That's got to be the way, right? Yeah. And it's like never white again. You know, it's always, always brownish. It's always, uh, you know, never quite get it back to that shining original state, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, me too. Uh, but that's pretty much our time. Oh, great. So. Again, thanks for coming on the show. This was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm glad I could help. Um, I know you. I like to ask everybody what the anything coming up that they'd like to promote. You sure. are. You have your Whistler Film Festival. Yeah, that one's going on. And anything uh, else? One, one nut only. One nut only. Yeah, I've been doing shows after I. I, I I'm out doing a recovery day because I do comedy for uh, big events to deal with with recovery. Obviously, we've got huge. 
uh, problem with the opiate addiction and alcohol is still killing more people than anything else. Yeah. And so I do my best with my little jokes to try and uh, encourage people to, uh, you know, find another way. And, uh, well, yeah, you can always catch me at uh, Yuck Yucks somewhere in this country. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, find me Richard Lett on Facebook, just the way you did. Yeah, cool. And thanks for coming on again. This okay. is awesome. You're welcome.